so I went to a parishioner's for dinner on Saturday. You went to a place for dinner, Father Harris, and that is illegal. It's not illegal here yet. Okay. Uh, but, no, let me explain. So, I had a parishioner. Uh, he Actually, he's been listening to the podcast. So, uh, hi, James. Uh, so uh, he Hi, texts, James. Yes, he'll be very happy now. He's been he's been uh, binging our, our, our podcast. and uh, What a he, nerd. He's got lots of time uh, right now, <laughs> as we all do. Um, so, anyways, he... Uh, he uh, he texts me. Says you want to come over for dinner. I'm like, and I'm like, oh, I really would love to, man. But I'm like, I, as I'm trying to text back, thinking, you know, I can't. Not with social distancing. He goes, mm-hmm. no. What I want to do is, I'm gonna, I'll order you a pizza, I'll buy you some beer, and I'm gonna drop it off at your front step at the rectory, and I'll ring the doorbell, let you know I'm there, and then I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna set up the iPad in our dining room table, and then you can have dinner with us. <laughs> So you did that. And that's what we did. And to be honest, go? it was great. It was great. The pizza was good. Uh, the beer was good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it's a it's a little awkward because it's harder to notice social cues of like the kids and stuff like that sure. to be able to pay attention to them and stuff like this. But it was actually really nice. I'm like, it's again, it's not perfect. But in these times, I was like, do you know what? This makes me really happy because I need to socialize. And, you know, uh, as an extrovert, uh being alone in the church and the rectory all by myself is a little weird. So sure, yeah. um, having at least that, we had a great conversation and it was about an hour and a half is what it lasted for. Cause then my phone almost died, uh, but <laughs> it was actually, I was like, wow, what a great idea. So now I've, I've doing that with a few families in my parish or, and stuff like that. And I gotta just say like the other nice thing has been prisoners have just been calling up to say, Hey, how are you doing? Oh, that's so which nice. has been really nice. So it's yeah. been, I think it's 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 been nice. I, it, at the same time, I've been noticing through all this, like because I've been using stuff like FaceTime and phone calls. And uh, for those who don't know, I've been also using Twitch to stream Mass daily in adoration and doing some talks and stuff like this, which has been received quite well. I just I just made affiliate already. So <laughs> oh really? Wait, I did this. I missed your Twitch. I'm I'm gonna have to tune in because I'm very curious to see what your Twitch presence is like. So, yeah, so we just made affiliate on Twitch. So, yeah, for those who are interested, at 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific time every day, I'm saying Mass, uh, live-streamed, and it's twitch.tv slash Father Harrison. And um, um, so I've been doing that. But you have all this stuff where you can speak to people through a screen, which is great, and it's very helpful in these days. Right. But very quickly, I think we're going to notice that maybe looking at our screens all the time isn't that fulfilling. Oh, buddy, yeah, absolutely. You know, like how much, how nice it is when you actually see a face, like right there. There's something to that real physical presence of a person that's just all the more different. And it's a je ne sais quoi for me. It's like, I don't know why, but there's just something really beautiful with that. And so already I'm noticing this hunger to just see people like I had some parishioners drop off some food this week too and they were standing far enough away but we had a nice little conversation across the alley mm-hmm. it was just nice to see some faces so I'm already starting to think about different ways to meet with people like maybe set up some chairs on the front lawn far enough away and then if people want to come and visit they can come and say hi yeah yeah so this is uh, this is how I've been coping this week uh, so welcome to Clerically Speaking <laughs> yeah I'm Father Harrison. I'm Father Anthony. No, it's absolutely true. So we're doing um, basically drive-through confessions, which my pastor 
keeps calling drive-by confessions. <laughs> and the sister in our parish was like, started That's laughing. Amazing. And she's like, what's it going to be like? Someone just drives by and goes, adultery. <laughs> like, just like, forgive him on the way out. Anywho, so yeah. basically we park our cars. And yeah. then someone else pulls up. Anyway, so, but the thing was, I, I'm not a big fan of face-to-face confessions. And, and right. even in this scenario, you know, I keep my eyes kind of down. But at the same time, it was just really good to see my parishioners. I know. And to talk to them. And yeah, we're talking about sins and stuff. But um, it was really nice just to see them. So yeah, yeah, we're doing all the uh, stream stuff and all that jazz. We've got our stream down and, and it mm-hmm. looks really nice and we've got it down. But it took us a while, but we got there. Uh, the lady who does it for us, she basically learned all of this from scratch. Uh, so God bless her. She's doing a great job. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, yeah. Our churches now, are now TV studios, essentially. It really is. <laughs> like the setup, like we've got like signs that say, you know, recording live. Oh, we wow. Have some, yeah, because we have some maintenance men who who still are you know fixing stuff up uh, even more gotcha. so now because they have like this uh, space the time. to do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, to let them know. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> and it's weird. It's weird. But uh, it's it's interesting that it's kind of working something about here's the thing like we're all suffering in this together yes so while i feel far away from a lot of people at the same time we've we're kind of one in this suffering together so in a way you kind of feel closer too it's mm-hmm. kind of weird i don't know yeah 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 and it's yeah i think in a way like the closeness has actually grown in the sense that suddenly we've all been taken away from each other yeah, and you 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 start to realize what you miss once it's gone type of Absolutely, thing, right? Yeah. So I think that's part of it. It's like already people are just yeah, we're just uh, there's a closeness, and I think there's a closeness in the suffering. We're all in this together, mm-hmm. right? Things are not going to be the same after this. I wish I could say they would be, uh, but they're not. Um, and but I think we all know we need to all be in this together, and I think that's a good thing. And we need to be praying for each other and finding ways to just reach out and support each other. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, you were mentioning earlier before we recorded yeah. uh, how you were envious of my skills. Yeah. So you've got yourself a sharp looking haircut. You got the. <laughs> I, mm, I, I shaved off. My special. hair was getting so long. It was so long. I'm like, no, this is too long. I can't do this. I just, I hate long hair. I hate long hair. I hate long hair. But obviously, I can't go get my haircut right now. So mm. I just took my beard trimmer. I wouldn't put up the number one trimmer on it and i just took all the hair off see so i got mixed feelings about this a few things one you look sharp you look good you look clean good for you but like <laughs> kind of my thing is long hair yeah but you're right like so my hair is what is it it's like down definitely to the bottom of my neck not going over my shoulders but it's 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 getting cool. long yeah it's getting there it's getting there and i like it it works for me but you know what it is so much more work like taking care of it and like styling yeah. it and stuff and like making sure like when I go to sleep it gets in my face I'm like what yeah. I don't like this at all I don't know how girls do this all the time or like I mean it's it's great like when I wake up in the morning and I know I've, I'm gonna have such a busy day in front of me I don't have to worry about making doing my hair now right because I because I have such a busy day in front of me right <laughs> I'm so packed every day with things to do right that I don't have time to do my hair. You can just get out of bed and start playing video games right away. <laughs> Whereas I have which, to like put like which, product which in my hair. Games have you, which video games have you been playing? So uh, I have gotten back into World of Warcraft. 
Yes. Here's some fun facts about World of Warcraft. It's a game that's 16 years old. Mm-hmm. I was play. It's older than the kids in my youth group. Mm-hmm. So I was playing. I was being totally addicted to world. I was addicted to World of Warcraft before they even existed. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I've been playing that again. I, uh, I have to catch up with some of my other games. Um, we're gonna be playing some video games. Yeah, we're with playing Fortnite Jonathan tonight. Blevins, right? Yep. So. Um, it's a time to stream video games and watch people play video games, and it's it's great. It's great. Yeah. So, yeah. I uh, so I've been playing World War. I haven't played for a couple of days, I, mm-hmm. partially because I've had other things come up. But so here's my thing. And mm-hmm. you, you know, I I mentioned this to you guys, but we can mention it on air too. So I, you know, it's fine and everything. But I feel like the game is essentially you just sit there, yeah, and you press six, four, two, over and over and over, and that's the game. Well, okay, so you are a mage, right? And you are a damage character. So there's three main roles in this game. There are characters who take up the damage and protect the squishy characters like mages, Mm -hmm. like you. Mm -hmm. There's characters that heal. I'm a healing character. I'm a a priest, obviously. Father Luigi. I'm Father Luigi. (laughs) There are characters who do the damage. (laughs) So here's the thing. Like, I don't know. I was so into this game in high school. It, Mm -hmm. like... Not even kidding, almost ruined my life in high school. Mm-hmm. Like I would wake up early in the morning to farm for items so I could sell on this auction thing. Like I was a part of a guild of people I did not know. And back 16 years ago, like being friends with people on the internet was weird. Now it's normal. Then it was weird. Now I was super into it, right? So I think a lot of it is the nostalgia for me. That I'm just right. like, I'm playing this game again. I'm hanging out with my buddy, Father Dan. Father Harrison gets to jump on once in a while. So I don't know what this game is like for someone who's just picking it up because I'm already like all in on right. it. Right. Well, because like, oh, so I guess this game came out just when I was in university. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> I played it. I liked it. But I got off it very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. Because I remember one day, I started playing in the morning. I remember eating lunch. Then later on in the day, I checked the clock, and it was 9 p.m. And I had totally lost track of time. Yeah, man. It's weird like that. It is. But So that was back in the day. But now I'm playing, and I'm like, and I think part of it was just back in the day, mm-hmm. that was such a new thing. It was. Right? This is like, this is very standard fare now. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like I think because I didn't even get into it, it's and that's the bad. I'm like I, I think like it's it's a neat game. And it's fun. Like it's fun to play with you guys. But I'm like all I'm doing is pressing six four two over and over and over again, and that kind of gets boring. Well, you got you got to do a few more dungeons with us. See how it goes. Okay. And after we'll that, if goes. you're done, yeah, yeah. you're done. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I I mean personally, I the reason I did it was just more to have a chance to just hang out and chill. And exactly. especially for the first two days, like last weekend. Last weekend, I'll be honest, was actually really tough on me uh-huh. <laughs> because I was here all by myself for three days. Like now, when you're a priest and you live on your own, this is normal, like right. in the sense of like living on your own, but you're sure. seeing people every day, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm used to having like my day of rest. Everything's closed down here, so I usually don't see people, and that's fine. But the other six days of the week, there's, you know, even if you don't have a busy day on a Saturday, you see people at mass and everything like this, right? And so I was already, like, that weekend, I was feeling, like, I remember when I did my anniversary episode reflecting on the priest, I said, I've never felt lonely. That was, like, the first time I felt lonely. But it wasn't really loneliness because of, uh, 
of like celibacy. It was just it's, it's I'm lonely here because all by everyone's lonely. <laughs> everyone's lonely. I'm here all by myself, and this really sucks. Uh, so it helped definitely take my mind off things a little bit, which is a, an important. We sometimes you need to just take your mind off things. It, it, it this and it was a good distraction because it wasn't just something on my own. It was something with friends. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I felt it too. Like honestly, I normally don't feel lonely. I'm I'm normally yep. really excited for me time. But you know, my my parents don't live too, too far from my parish and yeah. i see them at least every weekend and yeah. to not see them even the last like two weekends has been like really hard yeah and then uh my friends we've we've jumped on this app it's called marco polo it's basically like a snapchat but for old people uh and like so <laughs> i i see their faces all the time and but it's like oh it makes me miss them even more so yeah i felt that it's been weird but the thing yeah. is, Father Harrison, one of the things I have taken up is I've started cooking food like a person does. Wow. I made a goulash, and it was Whoa. yummy. It was very simple. Very simple. Nice. Basically, the, all the restaurant had as far as ground meat was ground pork, but that's delicious. So I mm-hmm. cooked up that, noodles, and then uh, uh, Campbell's tomato soup, and you kind of mix all that together, and boom, that's a real food. Nice. And then last night, I, I got some chicken thighs. And I marinated those, and I overcooked the hell out of them. But they were still eatable. It was still technically dinner. So yeah, you're awesome. we are making very simple food. I made I made homemade chicken noodle soup again this week in my Instant Pot. I pulled my Instant Pot back out and mm-hmm. tried to get. So, okay, our banter is going on for a bit here, but that's okay. That's um, okay. That's what everyone's doing now. Everyone's just bantering. It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> We're, what else you got to do right now, eh? So, like, come on. One of the blessings I can already say about this time, though, is because I've like I personally chose I said every day at 10 a.m. I'm going to have mass in the holy hour and I'm going to stream it Good. and I did that for my mostly actually not just I mean for the benefit of my parish too obviously but also for my sake <laughs> yeah man because it keeps me on a regular schedule and I'm accountable people are depending on me to show up at a certain time to say mass mm-hmm. which is helpful for me because I'm a lazy person so <laughs> yeah. um, having something to keep me accountable is a good thing but at the same time. I've also found that like every day I'm getting a better rhythm of life going and it's something I've been wanting forever mm-hmm. and this is fi- like finally time has been forced upon me to carve out daily routines that I've always wanted to habituate myself towards but because I'm so busy sometimes it's hard to just it's hard to get those things together and now it's like i have the time to actually say okay i want to start developing a habit in this i want to get more organized i want to organize my papers better i want to do this and it's been so that in that sense it's actually been a real blessing for me yeah like my prayer life has never been this good that's a wonderful that's wonderful right so that that's a good thing <laughs> so yes so what day is it i <laughs> Wait, let me think about this. It's hard. That's okay. That's fine. Because that's what we're going to talk about in the Summa Tweetologica. <laughs> Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. That's good. 
So the Summa Theologica was St. Thomas Aquinas' summary of uh, theology, and the Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. And the first tweet comes from our good friend Jeremy McClellan. Update, colon, today is Thursday. And I just, I laughed when I saw this tweet. Because, yes, it is actually, when we're recording today, folks, it is Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it is Thursday. So that, I, but your your delay was perfect. I'm like, oh, this is too good. Uh, because yes, I I don't know about you, but it's been like time has. What is time? Like it's so. I, weird. I now I now understand Augustine's response. If you ask me what time is, I don't know. But if you don't ask me, I know. And that's what I feel like right now. It's like <laughs> I don't know, but I know, but I don't know. And it's like, oh, do you? Know, it's two o'clock. I should have lunch. I guess you know. It's it's just. Right. So, like, I mean, the biggest, the weirdest thing for me was last Sunday. So, last Sunday was the first Sunday we didn't have public masses. And I yep. can celebrate Mass at 9 a.m. And then I was done. Right. It was the weirdest feeling. And then, like, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, uh, Wednesday, uh, that was the wrong order. But, like, it doesn't matter because all those days, who, who cares? <laughs> Everything is just the same. I don't know if it's the same for families. Or not, right. or like, you know, because um, uh, some families, like a lot of people are doing the homeschool thing now or making their kids do the work that was sent home from them. But it's kind of mm-hmm. like you have to get this stuff done by the end of the week. Even there, the due dates and all the things that keep us grounded in yeah. time are kind of squishy right now. Which, and yeah. So, okay, at the same time, though, this uh-huh. is one of the things I've been finding really interesting is this is why I think the liturgical calendar for Catholics is just so important. Yeah. Right. Go on. It, Do that. It's yeah. It, it. What it's doing is it's forcing us into a rhythm, and even again, a lot of priests are streaming masses at the same time every day, and suddenly, like the church is suddenly very quickly becoming the former of our new rhythm of life, that because our societal norms that we normally form this rhythm for us have all been like torn away from us, mm-hmm. but now the church is saying, well, no, today is still Thursday of the fourth week of Lent. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do to take that away from us. And so we're going to celebrate that today. And I've been finding that. So again, like I've been even finding like the rhythm of the church year much more powerful than I ever have. Because yeah. I'm governed by it alone now and not by the things of of life in a kind of more quote unquote secular calendar. Yeah. And for me, like it's been really nice to pray the liturgy, the hours, the way it's meant to be prayed. Mm-hmm. So like for me, like a lot of times my day's going to be crazy. So you know what? In order to get this obligation in to be safe, I'm going to pray officer readings, morning prayer and daytime prayer all at once because I don't know if I'll have time. Now it's like I've got the time and being mm-hmm. able to mark it with that devotion, the liturgy of the hours has been like, oh, I get why the church says we should do this if we can, because this is much better <laughs> of keeping your heart and mind on God throughout the day. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and. And it shows you, though, too, why rhythm is actually important and routine and order of life is actually important. Because, again, life can get so hectic that we actually, like, lose sense of this. But now we're seeing, wait, I actually need order and rhythm in life and how that really forms. Yeah, it's just it shows you just why this is just so important for us. And so these are little things I've been reflecting on. It, it's the natural things of life are slowly being revealed to us again. And yeah, I get it's tough. I guess even scary for people uh, with loss of jobs and all this stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And like, I, there's a lot of worries around that. Absolutely. But at the same time, there's a lot of blessing in this time as well. 
where God is like kind of re-showing himself to us and saying, this is what is essential for life. Mm-hmm. This is all you need. So this is from Derek T. Mueller, at Derek Mueller, academic friends. Isaac Newton discovered calculus while in quarantine. William Shakespeare wrote King Lear while in quarantine. You will learn how to unmute your computer's microphone during a Zoom meeting while in quarantine. <laughs> so I love this for several reasons because some people were like tweeting out this stuff like, oh, like this is going to be a great time for art and, you know, all like people are going to write books. No, they're not. People are going to watch Netflix and play video games. Settle down. So it looks like like this tweet's going to model that, but then it goes right to the Zoom meeting thing. And guess what? We're all streamers now. We're all internet people now. We've been forced to. And Mm -hmm. what reminds me, uh, so my friend has two uh, little girls in Catholic school, and they had a mandatory Zoom meeting, and she showed me a picture of her her two little girls in front of the computer, and then, like, like, I don't know, there was like 10... Uh, people on the screen and it was all like little kids in a zoom meeting it was so weird because most of the time when you have like zoom meeting it's like adults and you've, you've dressed up because you have to do business business things <laughs> all these like these little like people doing i don't know what they were zoom meeting about it was just the kids that i saw in the zoom meeting but uh that's what they were doing because we've we've got to do something we got to do something and it's what i like about the tweet though too is it's if these great geniuses can do this you can unmute. You can know how to unmute your mic, right? I mean, because let's be honest, we all mute our mics when we're doing computer meetings, right? Right? Because we actually want to listen to something on YouTube or whatever. Right? <laughs> right, exactly. But it also I'm be it shows in you. World of Warcraft. Yes. Yeah, and it also shows you though too why while this is a helpful tool, it doesn't replace in-person stuff. Why like an in-person meeting is far superior always to being on a computer. When I have to, when I've done diocesan meetings through my computer. I'll do them, but I really try not to. I try to drive to Victoria because in the end, it's better to be there in person. So again, we're already seeing like, this is great. This is helpful. Mm-hmm. But you, this is not, this isn't replace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I can't wait to hang out with my friends and family again. And like, it really, for mm-hmm. me, it's only been a week and you, and you feel yeah. it. Um, yeah. But you know what? Yeah. But also at the same time, like thank God that we can stream masses and talk to people video mm-hmm. via video phone. It would be mm-hmm. it would be video phone. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would be so different if we couldn't do these things. So, so I'm gonna throw this out there right now okay. because I had this idea somewhere. I can't remember where I was having the idea. Um, wouldn't it be fun to do a live stream episode of this? You show? know what? I was thinking of that too. That would be a lot of work for Nick to figure out how to. Yeah, do we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk to producer Nick, folks. Maybe, maybe something where we can interact with you online, a live Q and A episode or something. God knows we have time to figure this out. But yeah. yeah, I did learn how to stream at least you know on my computer recently. So maybe we can do that. That'd be fun. Yeah. So is this an idea? All right. I'm going for it. Okay. <laughs> From at rr underscore Reno. We need to be careful about our first principles. There is a demonic side to a sentimentalism that insists we must save lives at any cost. And it's, it's a link to his article, Say No to Death's Dominion. And in the article, he essentially says that maybe we need to be okay with letting the virus kill a lot of people. Whoa. Okay. Can I read this, this second paragraph? Yep. This is fascinating. This statement reflects a disastrous sentimentalism. 
everything for the sake of physical life? What about justice, beauty, and honor? There are things more precious than life. Right? Ah! And yet we have been whipped into such a frenzy in New York that most family members will forgo visiting sick parents. Clergy. Okay, so he's almost making a good point, but he's doing it so badly. Clergy won't visit the sick or console those who mourn. The Eucharist itself is uh, subordinate to the false god of saving lives. So, like, okay. Uh, you go first. You go yeah. first. Okay. So, first, that line mm-hmm. that you from that paragraph you said it was the thing that enraged me. Uh, and I, I'm going almost no filter on this because there are more many things more precious than life. Um, what? Uh, as we know, John Paul II teaches very clearly and constantly that the right to life is the foundation and principle upon which all other rights stand. How can a Catholic, a Catholic, write, there are many things more precious than life? You tout yourself as someone who's pro-life, and yet you write... A dumb line like this, I'm sorry, because it, it is, it's dumb, and it's dangerous, and it, it's coming from a, 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 a view of, like, it, then he's like, talk about, what about justice, beauty, and honor? Those things only matter insofar there are people to appreciate them and love them, and he's, because and it's this all thing about, if, 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 we, if, we, if we save lives at any cost, then we're sacrificing our future. Well, do you want to know something? Nobody knows what the future is going to hold right now. You can't make that judgment. And fine, you want to let the spot virus go wild? Fine, your hospitals are going to be overrun. And then everyone's going to be sick. Your hydra's going to be going down because there won't be people at work because they're in two-week quarantine because they're sick. Your hospitals will be understaffed because they're in two-week quarantine because they're sick. Your essential services, your food supply chains, all these things will crumble apart. Us too. Your yes. priests are going to die. And by the way... Clergy will visit the sick. Oh, yeah, we will. Insofar as we can. Like, some of the hospitals I've heard will not let anyone in, right? But, you know, we're going to do our best to be there. We want to be on the front lines. Absolutely. This article, like, I, I stopped subscribing to First Things a couple years ago, but this article makes me just want to I'm sorry. This is this is a step too far. And I think it's a, personally, I think it's a great affront to the legacy of someone like Father Richard John Newhouse and what he did and what he set up with that magazine. And it's gone so far off what he founded that it's just not worth listening to anymore. Yeah. I needed to rant. I'm sorry. No, that was good. So, okay. So he could have written a good article here because the the thing he writes is everything for the sake of physical life, question mark. Okay. Are there things that are more important than physical life? And we as Christians say, absolutely, eternal life is. Right? Right. Okay. So there's something yeah. interesting there that you could write about. But that's not what he does. Right? Um, like, if you want to write something discussing, like, how we need to continue to love each other and what are the sacrifices that do need, need to be made. But, like, ah, man, like, the, the vague concept of, of justice, beauty, and honor is like, whoa, whoa, whoa settle down. Because the, you want to give people physical life. Why? Because they need time to repent. Or look at look at any of the Christian outreach things. Um, the the reason why we found hospitals, the reason why we care for the poor, the reason why we give to the poor and try to help the sick, is to sustain them their physical life so that they are prepared for eternal life. 
if you wanted to talk about something like that, maybe you could write an article like that. But that's not what he does. And this, and what's behind this idea? And it's a lot. Guess what? Yeah, for a lot of us, especially in the West and in America, is this whole virus an inconvenience for us? Yes. On a more serious level, like what is the economy going to look like? What are our people's habits going to look like? This is a big, big unknown. But if you're going to err on one side, the Christian does err on the side of caution and on the side of life. And we know that, yeah, the sacraments are essential for salvation. But the church, like, and we will talk about this a little bit later, there's a reason why the church, like, allows for these things to happen, that you're required to receive communion once a year, right? So you can go a few months without the Eucharist. Like I said, we're going we're gonna to open that up later because there's a lot to that. But it's like, if we have to slow things down and shut things down for a month so that thousands and thousands of people can live yeah that's our job right yeah exactly and so with that though too it's um like this is the thing we're not saying don't let the virus spread nobody is saying that right Right. Uh, it's just we have to do things at a rate that it doesn't if we don't do what we're doing we cripple society yeah and 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 we we have to also remember because this is one of the things the article also gets its history wrong about like the spanish flu and stuff like this quarantine was in effect for about like like strong quarantine was in effect in society for about a year and a half mm-hmm. and this was during this the first world war too by the way um like scary time not just that, again, we've mentioned it before, but even like in the times of like Milan in the 16th century, churches were closed. And in the 1918, by the way, all the churches were closed too. Yep. This is not unique. This is not unique. What we are doing is not unique. Um, and we need to we need to just like check ourselves. I'm going to steal an idea from our friend, uh, friend uh, Ed Condon, who, who pointed out on uh, CNA's um, editor's desk. That, like, some people feel outraged that they still live in history. Like, there's this feeling that, like, oh, plagues shouldn't happen because we're past all that. No, we're not. We're not special. We're not unique as a people. This plague isn't special. In a certain sense, the, this, this, this outbreak, this pandemic, is no more different cosmologically than a, a cold day outside. Like, yeah, yeah, we're still a fragile species living on a planet that we cannot control and dictate. And there's a lot of people who feel like this should not happen to me, so it won't. No, that's not how the cosmos works. Like, I'm sorry a lot of you are inconvenienced, because guess what? Other people are dying and struggling. Other people are are losing their jobs. And that, I mean, there's a discussion to be had about that. What can we do economically to help people? What does this mean? Sure, 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 sure. But, like, we have to be more realistic about... Um, and more humble about our place in the universe, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I will say, just as a little end to this talk on this tweet, Sure. Uh, Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo from Notre Dame yeah. uh, wrote a good article for our Sunday Visitors um, um, site this week, uh, this week at the OS, osvnews.com. So I would highly recommend reading his rebuttal to Reno's point. Oh, it is good. It is probably, it's actually, no, it is a lot more charitable than I just was. But, <laughs> um, but I would I would highly recommend it. So please check out that article. Mm-hmm. All right, what do you got? Well, speaking of, of physical life and eternal life, this is a tweet from John Stone. Um, John Stone, the mad monk. Is he a priest? I think... John Stone is a priest? Yeah, he is. Roman Catholic priest. Okay, cool. 
Uh, he's an Augustinian, and he tweets, This priest, suffering from coronavirus, mm. gave up his ventilator to give to a younger patient and has died. His name was John Giuseppe Berardelli. He was 72 years old from Bergamo. I think this guy should get canonized. So, did you hear the correction, though? No, was there a correction? Yeah, there was a correction. So oh, no. They said he was a very self-sacrificing priest and stuff, yeah. but the story about him giving up his ventilator is not true. Oh, what happened? I don't know. I didn't read I didn't read past that. Well, that's awkward. Uh, that is kind of awkward. But actually, no, I think it's good you're mentioning it because this story went quite viral. Okay, yeah, of course And did. so some of you who are listening may not have heard the correction. Because that's what often happens. Something goes viral. We mm-hmm. hear about it. We think, oh, that's nice. That's a beautiful thing. But we often don't hear the correction afterwards that can... So that's what happened. I don't, I can effort that while you talk about it. Because, I, but still, I think it shows like, well, first, yeah, guess what, folks? Priests are dying to this thing. Yeah. In Italy. Uh, so um, that's scary. But apparently, this priest was still quite a self sacrificing um, um, priest. But uh, yeah, I don't know what happened at the end there or anything. But from what I understand, he did not give up his ventilator. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, uh, just, so still, ripping off this theme and ignoring yes. the tweet and yes. continuing on with the show, um, uh, every priest I know, I've known has said they're totally willing to visit anyone. Uh, we're trying to figure out ways within diocesan and state guidelines to figure out how to bring people the sacraments. Um, priests still want to give their lives so that you can have encounters with God, so that you know we st- we're still doing our job. And still want to do our jobs as as bridges. Um, uh, so that's that's something you're not going to see change. Um, and even you know uh, there were guidelines even in my diocese about you know what general absolution. If if people aren't going to let you in the rooms, then you can give someone a general absolution from the other side of the door as long as they can hear you. Um, right. So like we are going to bend over backwards to make sure that uh, as many people as possible continue to go to heaven because that's what we're here for. Yeah, absolutely. And like, and like, uh, our diocese already issued instructions saying that you can use a clot and swab when you're doing the anointing of the sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right? I didn't know that, actually. I, I didn't know that either. First, I thought you had to use your your fingers, but um, stuff like that. Uh, I know I had a parishioner donate to me 50 masks, so I have 50 masks. I mean, I don't even know if I need that many. I might donate mm-hmm. some of them to the hospital. But this way I have some so that if – because some – some hospitals are putting guidelines in that you can a priest can come in if they ha- have their own equipment. Yeah, as long as they have their own protection, protective, equi- personal protective, protective equipment. Yeah. So I'm set now. I've got gloves. That's not a problem. Gloves and masks to go in, and to be able to say, okay, I'm here to anoint you. So I'm set to to go in. Um, yeah, and, I, you need, and we need to be right. My pastor's been a pastor for a long time, so he has connections. So he's able to give us some gloves and some masks. So when we need to go into the hospitals. Uh, we will. But uh, as a side note, since we're kind of going uh, off the cuff of a lot of this, um, uh, it was it was odd because it was last week when things were starting to ramp up, but not as crazy as they are now, where I had a call to the hospital. And I remember parking myself in the parking lot. And it was the first time I've ever hesitated getting out of my car. Because, hmm. like, all these thoughts rushed into my head. Mm-hmm. You know, what if you get mm-hmm. sick? What if um, this stops you from doing ministry? What if... What if they have to hook you up to a ventilator? Isn't that scary for you? Like, all these things yeah. came flooding into my brain, into my heart. And then I was like, well, you're a priest. So do what a priest would do. 
And so I go exactly. into the hospital and I know yeah. the guy and it was, you know, um, you know, beautiful and, and normal and fine. But it was it was fascinating just to have that temptation at that last moment there. It's been a bit of a memento mori time, absolutely, yeah. right? And it's like you have to come to accept these things because no one is immune mm-hmm. and no one is immune from death, obviously. Um, but it kind of like in those moments you have to like just, you realize and you start to like, it starts to kind of make sense of those times when people are in war how simple the choices are that we make mm-hmm. in dire circumstances and you just have to make a choice yeah you, you don't have time to waffle or to you have a choice you can either do what is asked of you or you or you don't mm-hmm. right exactly. and most like i've already accepted the fact that i'm ready to do what is asked of me right mm-hmm. no matter the consequences to me and it's hard that's scary because it's like if my diocese lost a priest or two because of this, that's very dire for our diocese, yeah, right? Huge. But we are ready and willing to do what is necessary to bring the sacraments to people. So, yeah. So let's continue this joyful conversation. Yeah. We're going to talk in, in presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the best part. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Quite. Yes. Quite. All right. So I wanted to talk about the Eucharist today. Sounds like a good thing to talk about. Because, no, I'm not talking. I want to do like a primer on like um, on catechesis. What is the Eucharist or anything like that? But I want to talk more about what is our what is the connection between us as as the church lay and clergy, mm-hmm. the Eucharist and the Mass. Okay. So, and I say this because I, I recognize, absolutely, um, a lot of people are missing their reception of the Eucharist. And I understand that pain, right? I, I, uh, I feel like a sense of, what's the word I'm looking for here? Whenever I'm celebrating Mass every day, mm-hmm. it breaks my heart that I can't share the Eucharist with anyone right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you have to understand, folks, you know, some people might say, well, you can go to someone's house and say, or you can find different ways. I'm like, I get you. But then it's not, as a father, I need to treat all my children equally. Yeah. It's not right to say to some people, I'll do this for you, and some people I won't. Now, I, and this is all temporary. Like, I think if things are to be expanded even longer, we're going to have to, we, I think all bishops are going to start thinking about different ways we can minister to people like one of my ideas like i mentioned before is maybe eventually i'm going to start taking a list of people who want mass and i'll drive up to their house say mass on the trunk of my car and leave a pics behind or something like that i don't know i'm just thinking out loud yeah. but just trying to figure out ways but for now this is the this is the standard this is the sta- the status quo for now and i understand how hard it is for people and i also but i want to talk about this too because at the same time there are i've said i've seen some not many but i've seen small pockets on the internet where I've seen people saying to priests, we actually should be disobeying our bishops on this, by the way, because the bishop has no right to say this to us, mm-hmm. um, which is just bonkers because the Pope is the universal legislator and he's legislated this in Rome. So if you open the canonical case against the bishop, that's fine. The precedence of the Pope will determine the, the, the legality of the actions of a bishop. So, you know, that's not going to work there. Um, but we at the same time like i've also been a little disturbed by a sort of right language approach to the eucharist okay can we just call us out yeah. from the beginning what's going on here 
Yeah. It's it's Go ahead. it's it's our favorite heresy, Americanism. Yeah. So if you're just listening to this podcast, if you're just tuning in because you're like, oh wow, I have a lot of time. I'm listening to Clerically Speaking for the first time because all my friends say it's the best podcast ever. And you're listening so far and you're like, oh, this is the best podcast ever. But what's this thing about Americanism? I like America. Settle down. I like America, too. This is my home and I live here. Okay. But Americanism is a particular kind of heresy where, in a broad sense, you're putting American principles before that of the Catholic Church. And what you have going on here, and you hear it with people who who claim to be very traditional, they claim to be steeped in the history of the church. What the, what you really see is a deep kind of uh, American uh, ethos being splattered onto the Catholic Church. So this idea of like fight the man, you know, fight the power. Absolutely no. That's There's that, what, and it's also like a very individualistic right. rights approach, right? There's not a sense of the, of the common good mm-hmm. or the commonality of uh, like it's very individualistic piety. I'm gonna guess what, folks? That moral thinking, I want this, and I'm gonna get it. I don't care what other people think. That is the exact same mentality that the Zoomers were using who went to the beach in Florida. Oh, yeah. That is the same moral principle you're acting out of. I mean, it's a similar moral principle since we're going for this. It's a similar moral principle to Satan. Oh, I'll just do what I want. I won't serve. I won't be obedient. And the idea of obedience is... I'm going to say two things real quick. Okay. One is the idea of obedience is very foreign to an American mind. Two, before we dive even deeper into this, let's take a step back for a second. The fact that we are fasting from the Eucharist right now that's very tough. So I'm not trying to, neither of us, Father Harrison and I, we're not trying to brush aside the fact that like, wow, it's really sad and tough and difficult that we can't go to Mass right now. It's really sad and difficult that we can't receive the Eucharist, okay? That's absolutely true. But what we are criticizing are some of the attitudes around this. How have we responded to this time of the cross, and a lot of people have responded in ways that are blatantly anti-Catholic, but they've couched it in quasi-Catholic terminology. Right. So the first thing I want to kind of address with all this then is is I've seen a lot of I've seen some people and I get it. Again, I think some of it's just coming from the shock of um, the moment. Yeah. And because it's normal crazy. life is just upended, right? Yeah. These things that I've depended upon day in and day out no longer are there for me to have access to. Totally fair and totally understandable. But just, now let's just step back a little bit historically for a second, okay? Think about some of the great saints of history, okay? Think of people like St. Teresa de Dieu, mm-hmm. who will mention times where she went for communion. Why does she mention this? This doesn't seem that, quote-unquote, big of a deal. I mean, it is a big deal. It's the Eucharist, but you know what I mean, right? Well, it's because she didn't go to the communion every Sunday. Right. She didn't go to communion every Sunday. Mm-hmm. In fact, for... Most of the church's history, this idea of going to communion each and every time we were at Mass is totally foreign. As you mentioned earlier, we have instituted in the law of the church this idea that we are to go to the Eucharist at least once a year. And why was that instituted implied, as a law? Right, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> because it was instituted as a law because people weren't even go. you know, they might be going once or twice in a lifetime or something like that because uh, of whatever. And then like the whole stuff around the confession element of it all and everything, like they, perhaps like there was a little too much infrequency towards the Eucharist that developed. But I think we went to the opposite end as well, where we just said, I just go to the Eucharist. 
all the time. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Yeah. That's what I'm supposed to do. I mean, how, and then what does this do for people? If, because if people are going up for the Eucharist all the time, then those who do actually have mortal sin and don't want to go up to the Eucharist often will go because they're afraid what other people are going to think yeah. because everyone else is going, right? So we have to remember, like, we have to start thinking about this. Can we this put a quick time out on that? Okay. So sure. if you're going up, when you, when you feel in your heart and you've, and you know, because there's some people who have scruples, and those people yeah. have a spiritual director and discuss this. Okay, Absolutely. but if you if you know in your heart that for sure, you're like, I should not go up right now, right? And you go, I mean, Harrison, correct me if this is wrong, but like that's that's bordering on sacrilege, is it not? Like it's you, another sin. It's definitely another Absolutely. sin. It's another and it's another serious sin. Yeah. So okay, maybe I'll back off from the sacrilege yeah. language. And again, okay, now just to help address those scruples a bit too, right? Right. As I mean, as we're learning right now, if you make a perfect act of contrition and you intend to go to the confession as, as quickly as you possibly can, you can then go to communion, mm-hmm. right? Yes. This is allowable in the law of the church, right? Yes. It's because we recognize sometimes you can't get to confession. Some Maybe the lines are too long or maybe not enough priests or they got canceled that weekend for whatever reason or and so on and so forth. Um, you can make a perfect act of contrition, mm-hmm. which means, okay, God, I'm really sorry for my sin. I intend not to sin again, and the second I can get to a confession, I will go. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's what that's it. If you can, if you can do that, you're good. So there's that to always keep in mind. But um, but yeah. So anyways, with all this, it's I mentioned like people like Saint Therese because she is one of the great saints. Yeah, she's right. What we call in the old country, super holy. Yeah, the old country. Is something the old country says. I'm sorry, it's my favorite joke, and I haven't made it on the podcast yet. So there we go. I've never even heard that joke before. Uh, anyways, um, she's a saint, and she did not go to the Eucharist every single Sunday. Now I don't know what the practices were like in Carmel when she was a nun and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but the general norm was maybe like, uh, and you would have to ask your your uh, confessor for permission to go to communion more often. Yeah, right. It was because the priest is the guarantor of the, he's the protector of the Eucharist. So I think like it's been getting me to reflect that perhaps we went too much the opposite direction, and thus. Our reaction right now is making us feel like because I can't receive the Eucharist every Sunday, therefore I can't be holy. Yeah. Okay. This okay. is really tough. Like so. Yeah. For a lot of people, their conversion was quite literally because of the Eucharist. Maybe it was a time in adoration or a moment in Mass. I know for myself in my priesthood, I've preached almost every single Sunday about at least mentioning the Eucharist, how it's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Because I felt like a lot of people go up and receive a sacrament without knowing what it is, right? So it's been this huge emphasis on how important the sacrament is. And then all of a sudden, we can't go to Mass, and I have to do a 180 and say, it's okay. It's going to be okay. So it's an awkward thing as far yeah. as practice and teaching, right? right. But it's, it's really important to, to, to mention this. And yeah. indeed, the church has said, and the church for a while now has been emphasizing more frequent communion. Why? Right. Because scruples have come into play. Because, you know, if someone's in a state of grace and they're going to Mass, there's no reason why they should not receive this gift, right? But what were the reasons for that infrequency, okay? Because, yes, we can say that a practice 
or yeah, a practice or a habit in the past. Maybe that was misguided in a certain sense, but why were they doing it? Because we can still learn lessons from why they were doing it. And the reason why they were doing it was because the Eucharist was so precious to them. Mm-hmm. And it's not something to be taken lightly. You know, St. Paul says, if you eat or if you receive this, you know, unworthily, you're, you're receiving death upon yourself. It becomes yeah. a curse. So, or undiscerning. He actually uses the word undiscerningly. Yeah. So absent-mindedly. Yeah. Yeah. Just putting up your hand like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. And wiping your hands afterwards or something like that. I, I've seen that happen. It's horrible. Right? That's undiscerning reception of the Eucharist. Yeah. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. So... With this, though, it's about really, like, so there's a few things. First, I want to encourage you, this time where you're experiencing the absence of the Eucharist. And I get it. I think I think this would be an easier absence to bear if we were able to just more easily go into the churches. Yeah. Right? Now, now some people, I, I want to just explain this because some people may not understand why. Like, we're not in lockdown here yet, total lockdown, but I chose to close the church because I kept it open for like a day or two mm-hmm. and it was getting impossible to keep it clean. Yeah. Cause you have to wipe down anything that someone touched every time they were in there and people weren't doing it. And it was just getting to be, and it's hard to do that when the Eucharist is exposed on the altar and all this stuff. And it was just like, this is, <laughs> yeah. and to be fair, a lot of, sometimes the people who are coming ought not to have been coming in the first place. Right. So like they're the, like they're the vulnerable people who really need to be staying home to not get this right now. Mm-hmm. So it, there's like a lot of, um, there is a lot, and, and some parishes aren't big enough to get the, the clean crews. Like we had a big clean on the Monday before we closed things down, before like we were closed down till Thursday. Um, we were cleaning the church for two solid hours with a team of 10 people wiping down everything. <laughs> yeah. And it, I was just like, we can't do this every day. It's not possible. Right. It's not safe. So, and it's not safe. And then you're putting those people who are cleaning in, 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 in harm's way. And I was just like, this is logistically unfeasible. And to be honest, that's the case for most parishes. And I've seen other people saying, well, why don't priests just say like multiple masses a day? We're really not supposed to say anything more than three ever. Oh, my gosh. Ever. Oh, my gosh. Ever. Someone was and, suggesting and, and, like, why isn't the priest simply say nine eight masses. masses, eight, nine masses a day so that people, okay, you know what the problem is with, you know, so the idea is saying, oh, if a priest has all these masses, less people will go to mass, you can keep the social distancing. <laughs> that, for sure, is an abuse of the, of the mass, an abuse of the sacrament. Because mass becomes not the holy sacrifice, not the one sacrifice we enter into represented, it becomes a Eucharist machine. Yeah. And yeah, the Eucharist machine will go, and so will my brain and my soul. It'll all go into a, a melty blob mess, right? Because the church ideal, it says the ideal is that for Sunday, the community gathers for mass. Ideally, the community gathers one time for one Eucharist because God is one. There is one body. Together in love, we celebrate this one sacrifice once and for all, right? That's the ideal. The exact opposite of that ideal is have a million masses so that everyone can get the... No, 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 that's not what's going on. The mass even by itself is this holy sacred thing. Even if you if you just attend the mass, you receive countless graces. 
If you unite yourself spiritually to a mass, you cannot attend. You still receive countless graces. Effects... By being baptized, yes. and that's what I'm going to get to here in a second, yeah. right? Because I want to read a couple quotes from Pope Pius XII on this. Yeah. But yeah, this is the idea. Is you're always receiving the effects of the Mass mm-hmm. because you're baptized. Um, so And yeah, it's a grave abuse, and it's actually been pretty normative to say, like, throughout the history of the Church, like, anything more than three ought never, ever, ever to happen. Absolutely. And you have to understand, saying three requires special dispensation from a bishop to do it. Yeah. Canon law says we ought to only say one a day. Yeah. Ought to only say one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is... The, now, this is the other thing. Some people have also recommended, well, why don't we just like find ways to distribute communion outside of Mass? Now, I get it. To an extent, this is actually probably reasonable to think about in these situations. But I, I hesitate to this because we're really meant to see the Eucharist in concert with the Mass. Yeah. They're not meant to be separated. Yes, it's true. We bring communion to the homebound. But that's usually connected with the Mass, right? Like, like, I mean, even in the ancient church, they would celebrate the one Eucharist with the bishop, and then the presbyters would go out to the sick to bring them the Eucharist from that Mass, right? So this deep connection that though they couldn't be there because of illness, there's a deep connection between the Mass and the Eucharist. And this is something that's been lost. Like, our Eucharistic devotion has gone to extreme in some cases where we separate the Eucharist from the Mass. And I just need to get me my Jesus, regardless if I have to get to Mass or not. Yeah. If you see, the Eucharist is the fruit of Jesus's full sacrifice of the Mass. And to just receive the Eucharist apart from a liturgical, the liturgical context of the Mass becomes an abuse of the Eucharist. Yeah. It actually becomes an abuse of the Eucharist. Uh, unless, of course, as I said, with the sick, because they literally can't get there. So we want to do, what we want to do is we want to develop our connection between the Eucharist and the Mass. And that's why we need these two things to be brought back together. And the third thing then to keep with all this then is to realize, like we were just talking about to an extent, is every Mass that's being said, because you are baptized, you are receiving its fruits. Because it is all the one sacrifice of Jesus. It is, uh, there's billions and billions of Masses probably said throughout your whole lifetime that you have the fruits of, but it's all one fruit. Mm Mm-hmm. It's all one fruit, the offering of the head. And whether you are actually at Mass or not, obviously, for the importance of the symbol and the importance for the communion of the church, we ought to actually be physically present. But extreme times allow for extreme measures and to recognize that we are really and truly united to the Mass. So I want to read, uh, I'll read at least one quote. And then if um, from... This is from um, Mystici Corporis from Pope Pius XII. It's in paragraph 82. He says, and thank you, Father Matt Fish, by the way, for the the quotes. Mm. Um, By means of the Eucharistic sacrifice, Christ our Lord willed to give the faithful a striking manifestation of our union among ourselves and with our divine head, wonderful as it is and beyond all praise. For in this sacrifice, the sacred minister acts as the uh, vice regent, not only of our Savior, but of the whole mystical body and of each one of the faithful. So I'm just going to stop there for a second to explain that. This is the whole point. A priest is a mediator. He's got his feet in two worlds, right? So he's acting on part of Christ the head, who is the one offering the sacrifice divinely for us. 
And he's also offering this on behalf of the whole people. Every person is united to the offering a priest makes. This is why a priest is both both the priest and the victim. He is the offer, he's the one who's offering, and he is the one who is offered. Okay? So that's just kind of explained that there. So continuing. In this act of sacrifice, through the hands of the priest, by whose word alone the immaculate lamb is present on the altar, the faithful themselves, united with him in prayer and desire, offer the eternal father a most acceptable victim of praise and propitiation for the needs of the whole church. As the divine redeemer, when dying on the cross, offered himself to the eternal father as head of the whole human race, so in this clean oblation, he offers to the heavenly father not only himself as head of the church, but in himself his mystical members also, since he holds them all, even those who are weak and ailing in his most loving heart. So do you hear what's happening there? Christ is offering his whole body. And what is his body but the church? Mm-hmm. Right? This is St. Paul. It's about this connection. This is something Henri de Lubac really helped bring to the fore. Again, or help us rediscover. Yeah. The unity between the historical body of Jesus, the body of the church, and the body of Christ in the Eucharist are all one thing. They're, dis- they're di- distinct, but they're all really the one Christ. And so Christ is offering up the whole church at every single Mass. And so even though you might not be there physically present, you are being offered up by the act of the priest itself at every single Mass. And so the fruits of that Mass are being offered for you and will continue to be offered for you. And so we need not to like lose hope in all this because the fruit is being offered. Mm-hmm. And the grace is being continually distributed to us. Yeah. And it's better if you can be present for that. Absolutely. But when you can't be, you're going to still be okay. And like the one thing, there's a few things that, I mean, the final things I have to say that we have Mm -hmm. to keep in mind. A few questions. Ask yourself, does God love you less because you can't, go to mass is god not going to give you sufficient grace right now to be happy with him forever in heaven right right every time also this isn't a question but every time you pray the father hears you Mm -hmm. nothing can separate you from the love of christ so yes there is an element of fasting of separation of stepping away and that's a painful thing but that pain and let's 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 look at this as old-fashioned Christians, right? Let's just look at this like it's providence, because maybe it actually it is. Whereas we are in this time, and this time, if this is providence, which it actually is, is meant to open our hearts, increase our desire and our love, both for our neighbors who are suffering, but most especially for the God that we long for, for the God who, in a certain way, we're pulled apart from but in another way we're always united to so this time god will use to make you holier to make you more loving to bring you closer to him and yeah that's weird but it's one of these contradiction things that is so a part of what christianity is you have not been shut off from christ you are fasting it is difficult but it is for our good somehow cosmically mystically 
And so think about it this way, right? Like Jesus on the cross experiences the absence of the Father. But he is in no way actually absent from the Father. It's an experiential thing, but God is, remember, God uses his sacraments as the ordinary means of salvation, but he's not bound by them. This has always been a basic principle of the church. Yeah. And, and you know, the other thing I'd just say with this is perhaps then in this time, it's like if we've been, if we're feeling like we have to have the Eucharist to live and that without it, we're going to die. First, look to the saints of times past mm-hmm. and how they became saints without frequent reception of the Eucharist. Okay, I'm not saying go to their to what they went to without the Eucharist. Okay, but think about that. The second thing I might actually encourage is to say if you find in the future that you become undiscerning towards the Eucharist, you might not have any serious sin. That might be a time to say, "Do what? I'm gonna I'm gonna fast from the Eucharist for three weeks." I think to an extent for me, like I've been pondering and praying about this. I think this time has shown us that perhaps. Perhaps the idea of promoting Eucharistic fasting may be something that we need to redevelop. What that looks like, how we incorporate that into the theology of the church and Eucharist as we understand it today, that's a whole other question. It's just a thought I have right now. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be a conversation to have with a priest, with a spiritual director before you do that. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely, absolutely, and I think like I, I guess what I mean is more like there's going to be like there needs to be like a public kind of like, theological reflection and conversation about about this as as perhaps something that could be a good practice for the church. I think you know the church clarifies things in times of crisis. This is a time yep. of crisis, and it's a time to have these conversations. So yeah, yep, uh, absolutely. yeah, and and finally, like um, the realize like yeah. Nothing separates us from God. Christ is with us. By virtue of your baptism, you are in Christ. Mm -hmm. And he is not going to abandon you. And desire holiness. Choose Christ every day. Choose him in every moment that is put in front of you. And when time comes and you can, I mean, think about how joyful it's going to be to come back to Mass. Because at the same time, like what Pius is talking about here, that is given its symbolic fullness when we are together as a church, as a local parish, with the priest as kind of the head of that local area, offering with Christ the whole church to the Father. That is what's happening at every Mass. And so that day when we are able to come back to do that together, how joyful and how much of a celebration it's going to be. And we're going to see once again in a more deeply way, deeper way, without Sunday we cannot live. Mm-hmm. So that's that. Yeah. That's all I wanted to kind of say. Yeah, it's good. So we're praying for you. And, and just a little quickly, by the way, like, and we kind of mentioned this already, our hearts are breaking too, like that you can't be with us. Absolutely. It's so dang weird. And I don't like it. <laughs> it is. I don't like preaching to a camera. No, it's weird. I'm grateful people, I'm grateful I can provide that service, but it's not the same. So we're looking forward to things going back to normal in the liturgical life of the church. And we can't wait. So... Um, right now, we're all monks. So let's just embrace our monast- the monasticism for a as bit. As much as we can. Yes, absolutely. As much as we can. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for uh, listening this week. You can find us on Twitter at Cler- ClericalPod, on Facebook. Look up Cler- uh, Clerically Speaking. Please look us up on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all the places you listen to podcasts. 
Search for Clerically Speaking. Uh, find us there and please leave a review. Tell your friends about the podcast and tell your enemies too because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me on Twitter at FR Harrison. You can find me on my new podcast. It's called The Desert Fathers Podcast. You can find it on Twitter and Podbean and soon at other places. The Desert Fathers Podcast. Because, you know, we're all in quarantine now. The Desert Fathers purposely put themselves in quarantine. So check out the Desert Fathers podcast. And you can email us speaking at gmail.com. So we will see you all next week. God bless. Peace.